Welcome to X-Rated Movies. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. The other host over there is Matthew Fisher. And we're here to talk about some stuff. Wow, Ryan, like, you're just no nonsense in it today. I'm pod daddy. We, we got places to be, I guess. Sorry. I'm, no, it's fine. It's just... You're just not used to this? Yeah, it's... Yeah. I, I, I mean, a little role reversal is fine. You're not used to me taking control of the I situation? I really am not, No. You usually get your your yayas out, you know, after I've had my way. Like you slink off to the bathroom and edit this, and that's where your pleasure really comes from. No, today I'm the dominant one, Matt. Something I want to talk about mm-hmm. that will make us seem like we're friends, so people <laughs> think we're friends, is that I recently was talking to my partner Tim about a podcast that I was listening to. And I've listened to it a lot. And I think I've mentioned it on here, The Greatest Generation. Mm. It's, a, it's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who today now they don't. That's not <laughs> right. That's not at all. Uh, it? It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys uh, who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I mean, it's no mistake. We kind of like chuff their game a little bit. I've, I've stolen some of their style for our own <laughs> podcast. But I was talking to Tim about an episode that I was listening to and I had referred to them as my Star Trek friends <laughs> and <laughs> it came out and I finished my point and then I said I just called them my Star Trek friends didn't I and he said yeah yeah you did and it just sort of made me realize that because I've been listening to them once a week for I don't know three four years now that I do sort of like feel like they're my friends that they have no idea I exist well that you met them they, I, they, I, you we know. did meet them. That's right. We met them very early on. So they have some idea that you exist. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, I kind of get that. Every now and again, it, it's especially bad if it's a podcast by people that either I know in real life or have met mm-hmm. in real life. But sometimes it will like get jumbled in my head. I'm like, was I talking about this subject with them, the person? Or were they talking about it on the podcast and it just felt like I was sitting around some friends talking? <laughs> right. Yeah. It is a weird phenomenon, this podcast thing, because uh, I've had several friends tell me that they listen to the podcast and it feels like they're hanging out with me. But I think that's sort of the overall goal of podcasting. Like, isn't the idea that it's supposed to just feel like you're hanging around with your friends? Yeah. It's that meme of, like, somebody eating ice cream for real next to a poster of people eating ice cream. Um, I haven't seen this meme. Oh, you haven't? Uh-uh. Repos- I like- understand the, the, okay. the gist of it, though. Yeah, it's fun. Everybody looks really happy, but only one person's really there eating the ice cream. It's why I always have my milkshake, and I have the friend's milkshake poster <laughs> up behind me. But yeah, I think that's also sort of the the new format because like that's I think what people expect out of their podcast now. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even a familiarity, a comfort. Yeah, well, you know, people are really obsessed with being authentic, mm-hmm. and so all these celebrities are having podcasts now, and it's because we need to see the real them, not just the panel anecdotes on late night shows like you know millennials and and. Around that, we don't really watch a lot of late night TV shows. Like we're not the generation watching Fallon or something like that. Oh, like yeah. that's still old. an older generation. Yeah, I'm trying not to diminish old people now because won't be too long before I'm one of them. Hey, I'm just saying they're old. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You're not putting a, uh, a value uh, judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, good. 
but yeah, like we don't do television that you have to like be there for. Yeah. I feel, do you feel like uh, people can like, uh, you know, sort of uh, let their hair down, so to speak, more on a podcast because there's no visual element to it. People feel more comfortable just letting loose because it's more like one on one. There's no audience. Uh, you mean, do I dress like this every day? <laughs> no, I put on my pajamas just for you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, see, I was going to be generous and be like, well, I mean, no, it's not every day that I see you wandering around in a three piece tux. So <laughs> I do feel special. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I think that, like, I should do, like, the Alfred Hitchcock thing and, like, actually get dressed like I'm going to for work just to, like, get myself in the mindset. But I don't know how long this is going to be. We might have to, like, just pound that stone and really work at it for a while until we find the topic at hand. (laughs) Right now what we're doing? What are you talking about? Well, yeah, you know, sometimes... We'll have a plan on what we want to do, and then we just toss that plan out the window, and we just search for that topic. Oh, is that what we're doing now? How is it not? I thought we were talking about being friends <laughs> on a podcast. We are friends, and friends on with podca- our friends on that have podcasts, and we're friends with many people who have podcasts. Yes. Now we're talking about wearing three-piece suits while podcasting. Well, <laughs> <laughs> mine's getting wrinkled. By the way, should we start standing up while doing this? <laughs> Yeah, we should we should get do like the full like voice actor studio for this. <laughs> Barry, Barry, I can't hear Matt in the cans. <laughs> in the cans. That's studio talk for headphones. Wow, tell me more. Um, it's not actually called a mic. What's it called? It's called a Hoomer Badog. <laughs> so next time you go in and you're like, I need more more me uh, uh, up the humor of a dog <laughs> in my in my cans they'll be like the audio engineer's gonna be like gotcha <laughs> it's not actually called a stand it's called a humor a dog supporter <laughs> i feel like that takes longer to say i know but um it's more accurate in, in the audio engineering world they like to really stretch things out right like, because the law lo- you get paid by the hour so. oh <laughs> so if it just if it takes you an hour just to do a checklist of the equipment yeah then that's money another 75 bucks in your pocket yeah and and the 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 cord of course for the microphone is the huber dadongan uh floppity block (laughs) (laughs) you're catching on already talked for nine minutes i was like we're gonna do a five minute banter and then we're jump- jumping into this movie because i have thoughts well you know now you get us on a topic and there's just there's no taking it out of us we gotta explore it to its you know to its end it's mm-hmm. gotta just halt of its own volition okay well there's only so much time left on my globator bop <laughs> so maybe we should jump into today's episode did that feel natural? If it wasn't, we can go back. Uh, it's good enough. It's good enough. Okay. This is a rough transition season, I feel like. I feel like there's been a lot of just the curse. Well, we don't really have a lot going on in our lives these days. Yeah. And there's not as many people on the road, so it's not so bad. I mean, we... you can tell me how watching Endgame was for a second time. I played Deeply the fifth. arousing. I played the fifth. <laughs> 
erotic in ways that you previously knew not. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> All right, fine. You know what? I want the Hulk in that movie to fuck me. There, I said it. Okay. It's fine. I'm sort of strangely attracted to Thor in that movie because just, you know. The tubby one? Yeah, you know. It, just, it slaps differently, you know. Okay. Good to know. But speaking of the Hulk, Matt, you know, <laughs> uh, do you remember that original Hulk movie, the Ruffalo Liss one? Yeah, it was. Uh, who who was it in that? First? Was it Eric Bana? It was Eric Bana. Yeah, and Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, yeah, that was fine. And then uh, it was directed by someone of note, if memory serves. It was. Mm, I'm gonna say it was Ang Lee. I think you're right. Who? Also directed an important movie in in my cultural upbringing. <gasps> the Ice Storm? <laughs> oh, wait, that's Darren. That's Darren, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Brokeback Mountain. When we started this, and you told me, do you want to bet that you'll be doing Brokeback Mountain someday? I would have bet against it. Really? Yeah, I'm quite surprised you chose this movie. I think it was only because I watched The Ice Storm not too long ago. Okay. Like, okay. probably in November or, or October. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of reignited. I'm like, oh, Ang Lee's a director. I should maybe revisit some of those movies. Capital D. Let's give him a capital D. Capital, yeah. I mean, this movie's got a capital D in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I have a lot to say, but also, I kind of just wrote down a lot of jokes like as see i was coming into like i don't feel like making fun of this movie really? i have serious thoughts <laughs> I, like 10 15 minutes into this movie i'm like god these sean cody videos are getting really involved it used to just be them like playing football on the beach but this is elaborate wow <laughs> is that not how you felt i thought you picked it because you wanted to be serious I about mean, this man i did want to be serious <laughs> but i'm kind of watching i'm like this is a little porny like this is like the the plot of a porno a little bit. <sighs> it takes its time to get going though. Yeah, I was thinking like I think Ang Lee was just watching John Carpenter's Christine and saw that like f- that first scene of like the two of them in the car like that is sort of like a gay porno where they're like oh, I got to lose my virginity this year. <laughs> He's like, "Well, I could help you." And it's like <laughs> one step away from them just like having sex in the car. I feel like Ang Lee was watching that and was like, I think I can stretch this out into 30 minutes. <laughs> See, I was thinking this time, I was like, man, if you went into this knowing zero, you might not know that they're going to fuck. I don't, I mean, there's little things like when Heath Ledger's like naked and Jake Bathing. Gyllenhaal's shaving. Like there's little things like that where you're just like, why would you have a naked Heath Ledger bathing in the background? Like while Jake Gyllenhaal's shaving, mm-hmm. like it's it's erotic. If you if you didn't know anything about the movie, you would pick up something just from that scene. Yeah, maybe. Or if you're just like still blind to the idea that men can fuck each other, you might just be like, "Yeah, that's what you do." It's just two men celebrating each other's strength. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, I don't I don't want to joke too much. If if you have like feels on this movie, I don't want to like demean your feels no i mean i not i can joke about this movie just as much as you can they're just so young in this movie okay so we've talked in in the past that i'm like oh no bubble boy jake gyllenhaal is like my thing i think this is pete jake 
Gyllenhaal. Like, yeah, he's this, okay, he's okay looking in this one. I mean, it's peak Heath Ledger, for sure. Yeah, I don't think he got any better looking than this movie. And I, I'm no, I'm standing by that. Jake Gyllenhaal. This is for me like the best. He I've heard a lot of people say that Jarhead, where he's like a marine. Oh, I think that was a movie made after this. Um, so. that's where he's like his hottest. But that movie I've also heard is not actually very good. So you have this mix of hot JG mm. and so-so movie. I'll, I'll watch it one day when I'm horny. <laughs> okay. So tomorrow. Yeah. Every day. Every day. When I saw this, you know, this movie came out in 2005. Right. I was 20. Okay. And is that the last time you saw this before this viewing? I've seen it since then because I saw it in theaters because every gay was it was required obligated yeah. to see this movie. If you weren't, you were executed yeah even gays that like did weren't like into the scene or whatever still went and saw everyone broke back mountain everyone saw it i mean it was a big deal when it came out because i mean it was still in the bush administration 2005 was a you know the year after the 2004 uh, election where he got reelected, largely on the back of him demonizing gay people so it's like gay issues were very raw at this point well, I remember also, like, I didn't devour internet news like I do now back then, but I knew that this movie was coming out. Oh, yeah. Somehow I knew, like, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal were starring in a gay cowboy movie, and I'm like, as soon as that movie comes out, I'm buying a ticket. Yeah, I felt like I knew about it at least a year before it actually came out. I have no idea how. Maybe I read some, like, Entertainment Weekly article or something, but, like, yeah, I knew. It was this. news. We all knew it was happening. Yeah. Like the the whatever means of communication we had before the internet was a driving force in our life. It was there was a phone tree. When <laughs> yeah. you found out, you had to call the next person. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely knew about it long before it came out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 20 when this movie comes out, and back then the two leads looked like men to me. Let me look up their ages real quick. Jake Gyllenhaal was born 1980. So he's my age. So he was 25. He was 25. Okay. And then uh, Heath. Probably pretty close to that. 79. So he was a year older. Okay. I remember thinking like, oh, these are men. Like these are rough and tumble cowboys. And I watch it now. I'm like, these are children. (laughs) It casts a different light. Because I think growing up, you always think cowboys are these, you know, rugged older men. And the idea that. They don't explicitly say their ages, but I think Heath Ledger in this is like 20 and Jake Gyllenhaal is like 19. Well, the movie spans like 20 years, so. It does, uh, but just when Heath Ledger starts actually talking about his life and he's like, well, you know, 19, I had to do this and blah, blah, blah. And then my that didn't work out too well. And I ended up here. I'm like, so like a year went by, mm. like between when you said you were 19 and now. So. That's what I'm guessing. And I also got the feeling that Jake Gyllenhaal was the younger of the two by a small amount. I thought they were about the same age, but yeah. So I'm feeling like they're playing 19 and, and 20. Sure, somewhere in there. You know, and Heath Ledger says that he, he, he hadn't had the chance to sin yet, so. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's, well, maybe I can help you with that. <laughs> hey, bro. You don't want to be nervous when you first go with a girl, right? Yeah, they really put the boy in cowboy. Uh, can we? I mean, okay, so we can dig into later the uh, like stereotype of like the American cowboy, all you want. But like, how great is that first like thirty minutes though? Like, I this time around watching like this movie takes its time, and it's 
beautiful and great soundtrack. It's very romantic with like the, these crazy, you know, naturalistic backdrops and like when they finally do fuck, which I mean, maybe put a pin in that part, but like, it's really, it's great. Like that whole like time on Brokeback Mountain. It's nice because they reference it later on in the movie for the last like two thirds of it. But we get to be there f- with them for that time period. So it's like when they're referencing like, oh, remember Brokeback Mountain? It's like, yeah, we do. Because we were the audience and we were there with you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's nice. I like that we actually get the time to experience that growth and that discovery with them. Yeah. And there's so little dialogue in yeah. that first half hour or so that you really just kind of like sit with the character's emotions. It's just like you know what's on their face is basically what we're watching and what we're interpreting from the movie yeah but it's hard because these are two people who are not supposed to be showing their feelings but you know that doesn't make great cinema (laughs) a bunch of people not emoting (laughs) (laughs) it's because they they have feelings but they can't show them that makes it hot (laughs) yeah yeah i mean they don't kiss till the second night (laughs) Like, the, their first outing, sex-wise, they don't kiss. All right, well, let's just jump into it. Do but, you buy that first night? Well, one, I want to say that that sex scene, the first sex scene, people still talk about it. When you bring up Brokeback Mountain, Jake Gyllenhaal bottoming bareback, no lube, with a butt full of baked beans. <laughs> beans, elk, and alcohol. That's all we've seen them eat the whole time. Like, And I don't know how long they've been up there, but it's probably been a like, couple weeks at that point. It's a recipe for a disastrous butt sex time. <laughs> Everything about that, like, there was no hosing out. He didn't know he'd be having sex that night. He did not prepare properly. Everything about it just screams emergency to me. (laughs) And the next, one of the scenes, like, the next day, like, when when Heath is out on the mountain and Jake Gyllenhaal's, like, naked in the river, like, cleaning his clothes. Is he cleaning the bloodstains? Yep, blood and shit. That's what it is. I had the same thought. He's like, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) This is not at all how I practiced it. (laughs) It looks so rough and just Heath just jams it in there. I mean, here's the thing. I've seen this. This is my fourth time seeing this movie. And the, the last three times that scene has bugged me, but not to a point that I've allowed it to like stick with me. And this time I like really like focused on it. I'm like, why does this bug me? And it's because I don't buy it. I don't buy the leading up to it. It, I buy everything after it. Like you have to get past that hurdle to get the rest of the movie going. But I feel like that is a fumble. The sort of wrestling and like the 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 lead up to where it looks like they're gonna kiss, I'm with it for all of that. Yeah, I can kind of buy, and I buy him like taking his hand and putting it on his dick. Yeah, like the the millisecond of cuddling that we get before that. Uh huh. The only part that that really 
blows it for me is that Jake Gyllenhaal just immediately like turns around, yeah. <laughs> forearms on the the floor, I know, I know, pants down. I'm just like, <sighs> it's like the like you think of Bound and you think of the sex scene in that, and they got like a lesbian sexpert in to be like, well, this is how it would be, and you watch it, and you're like, well, this is hot. This this seems logical, mm-hmm. and like this scene, and it, it was funny because like people were constantly saying like, oh, that was such a hot sex scene. And, like, I just kind of went along with it, was like, sure, whatever, because I liked the movie. But it bugs me. It's not right. Yeah, it's not right. I don't buy it, and it, it kind of takes me out of the out of the moment. And it's such an important moment. Like, it just it feels like the only fumble in this movie that really drives me nuts. Yeah, because, and, and, like, I still think, like, the, the lead up to it, it's not until, like, he's unbuckling his, his belt yeah. that I think that it's a fumble. Like, them... Like the the will they won't they leading up to it, and then like once you get to where they will do it, then you're just like oh, because it just it looks so rough, and you just know that that's not how it actually goes. It's frustrating. Yeah, on <laughs> a movie that's so like good and everything else, they fuck up the it, sex. <laughs> it it almost feels like it would have been better if they would have like cut to outside the tent and you just heard something going on. Yeah. And didn't see it. Because the next time we see them together, it's very intimate. It's warm lighting. The fire's there. Which, <laughs> that seems ridiculous. <laughs> I liked it. What did you hate about it? Jake Gyllenhaal's like laying on his back shirtless. Like he's already broken out the essential oils and the candlelight. <laughs> and he's he's already seduced himself. And now he's inviting Heath Ledger into the tent he's with like, him. He's like, we've already broke that hymen. You're going to do it again. <laughs> I know you liked it. Yeah, the next day, they're like, they they have a whole romantic scene the next day. I'm like, hey, Jake Gyllenhaal's butthole would need more than one day of recovery from. Well, maybe that time Jake the trauma Jill- of last night. Maybe they flipped that that night, and maybe that time. Uh... <sighs> like, not a big problem, but I do think they just make Jake Gyllenhaal the bottom in this. Hmm. Like, there's n- nothing in this that makes me think that there was any flip flopping or versatility oh. going on. Because later on, when Heath Ledger is married, like, he tops, essentially, Michelle Williams. Like, he flips her over. Yeah, in a doggy-style way. Yeah. And then when Jake Gyllenhaal is uh, getting together with Anne Hathaway first, he's on bottom while they're making out. No matter what variation uh, of sex or, or making out he's in, he's on bottom, and then with... Heath Ledger, it's like no matter what combination, he's on top. I don't know. Just the way that I read it, I don't. I don't think there was any versatility in their relationship. Well, I'm choosing to believe there was. Oh, I mean, I I hope there was. I just nothing in the movie actually sold that. I wrote idea. some fan fiction to Annie Prue <laughs> and was like, "Well, here's some options if you ever wanted to do like you know some filler." Mm-hmm. And she never wrote me back. But okay. um, yeah, it was it was real sexy stuff. Really, it's it's kind of sucks because it's like the movie hinges on that moment, and it's like one of the weakest. Yeah, I am a little disappointed watching it. It makes me wonder. I was like, is this you know, th- like this is maybe the one scene that is there for straight audiences because straight people might not question it as much, especially straight men may not question it as much. Like any gay person who's done any anal play knows that the what went down there is not how it typically yeah. goes down yeah well looking back it was all straight 
mostly straight women who are like, that was hot, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, no. Well, <laughs> I knew about the movie Brokeback Mountain. I did not know that Heath Ledger and Michelle Williams got married. Yeah. And she was coaching them on how to make out and kiss. Mm. Uh, and she kept telling them to do it harder, <laughs> which does explain their very like face banging kisses. Yeah. Part of me just kind of thinks that Michelle Williams thought it was hot. She's like, no, do it harder. Yeah. No, like really just go at it. She like grabs Ang Lee's like megaphone and is like, give me that. <laughs> She's like right out of frame being like, more. <laughs> I like Michelle Williams marching around in her, you know, director pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my movie now, Ang. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say there are a lot of like sensual scenes in this movie. One being that second time they hook up in the tent and it's like warm lighting and the one and, you know, it's like it's sexy. And then later there's like a scene where Michelle Williams and the one where she gets fucked from the behind for the first time. Wait, does she get or she almost does the second time? Yeah, I, I, I've conflate those two. She's naked and they're like. But they're sensual. Like there's just like really sensual moments in this movie they're... that are like I've forgotten how like kind of not to use the word again sensual i'm tingling, <laughs> tingling. over here but uh it is you know it's like a very feely kind of movie like it gets in your feels in that way yeah i noticed in in that scene intimate and angley does it a couple times but he does oneers where it, it will start on like one side of the bed while they're lying down and kind of go over their head and then down and kind of start looking up at them from the edge of the bed because you kind of see that in the second night in the tent. Mm-hmm. And then you see that with Heath Ennis and his wife. And that's the angle that kind of happens before she gets flipped over. Yeah. And the face that she makes, that's just like anal again. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to Jake Gyllenhaal rodeoing. Like the bull comes out. I was like, is this like a Hitchcock, like a uh, uh, train going into the tunnel sort of thing? Like. <laughs> Michelle Williams gets flipped over for anal, and then it's a Bronco running out of the stable. <laughs> Is he saying something about the kind of sex that they're having? Well, maybe. There's another scene transition that also kind of made me think, like, what is what is he trying to convey here? It was when Jake Gyllenhaal, Jack Twist, goes to Mexico, and he picks up that gigolo, mm-hmm. and they go off into the darkness, and it fades. And then it cuts to, like, Ennis, like, pouring gravy on potatoes <laughs> and i'm like uh, is he liquid slathering gloopy glop in the in the i don't know there's just some of those things I was like these scene transitions are they suggestive or accidental i will say there was some symbology that i noticed this time that i've never noticed before which is that jack jake gyllenhaal's character the, one of the first things we see about him is he gets on a horse and Ennis is like, you gotta be careful with that horse. Go, go, go. Oh yeah, he's full like <laughs> bane in this. Very mumbly, but he's like, careful that horse will throw you. You wanna watch it there? That horse has a low startle point. Down there's a filly that can throw me. And then, you know, later he's like a bull rider. Mm-hmm. And so like there's scenes, like their love scenes and just sort of his feeling in general towards Ennis is like, I'm going to tame you mm. and get you to this like ranch. And sort of the way they like make out too is also like a control. Like I'm, I'm holding on as long as I can. Well, Ennis is the one that like loses his temper 
more right. than Jake. Even though Jake Gyllenhaal is more flamboyant and more sort of outlandish, it's Ennis who is the one that kind of loses his cool and loses his temper. And I mean, you're right uh, now that you mention that because Jake Gyllenhaal, Jack Twist, actively lassos Ennis in a scene. And it's like he he's the one who's trying to tame this wild beast, so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and at times he can, but he can never get him completely. Like it's always going to be. It's like when you're in a rodeo, you can't break him. Yeah, if yeah. you're a bull rider, you're going to fall off eventually. It's not like you're going to eventually calm the thing and then like ride it home. Sure, you know, to a ranch, you're going to get bucked off. Eventually, at some point. you're going to get bucked off. And so like, there's like symbology in that. With yeah, him, like, he sort of realizes. You know, at that final scene where he's like, I wish I could, could quit, quit you. I wish I knew how to quit you. That's when he's realizing that, like, this is what it is. It's never going to be what I want it to be. Yeah. So there was that. I didn't, I've never noticed that before. I just, this time around. And there were, like, several moments where I was like, oh, my God. It's, like, so obvious once you see it. Well, when you said symbology, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, the day after their, their sex. <laughs> and... Ennis is up on the mountain and he sees that sheep ripped open by the wolf. Oh. I was like, is this supposed to be symbolic of what he just did to Jake's butthole? <laughs> well, I remember, so I remember a couple of times when I saw this, uh, I remember the, the next scene after the fuck scene was when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's like sitting on the top of the mountains and he's like on his side, like not oh, sitting yeah. on his butt, <laughs> which it's a I'm couple like, scenes yeah, later, but yeah. it is definitely still like, I can't sit down <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> I need to get one of those pillows with a ring in the yeah, middle. Yeah, <laughs> this is... Whew. I mean, it was fun, yeah. but... Uh, Give me a day or two. Next time, we're going to have to... I need a little warm-up. The sheep thing was a little weird for me, because I was like, this normal would be like portending doom or something like that, and like... I mean, it kind of is. Like, something oh, has it totally does. now yeah. been like ripped open, and like they can't undo what they've done... Well, and Ennis is, like, scared the whole time of this whole situation because, you know, of the, like, his dad bringing him to that guy getting yeah, dragged. Yeah, I was, yeah. I'd, I'd block that out. And they was a joke of town, even though they were, they were pretty tough old birds. Anyway, they, they found Earl dead in an irrigation ditch on to him, spurred him up, drug him around by his dick till it pulled off. To, like, have sex with a man and, like, something that's taboo, and then to run up and see, like, you failed in your job because of it, and to see something so, like, violent, too, mm-hmm. like, that's striking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. definitely gotta, like, be like, oh, I'm now associating hot sex with dead animals. <laughs> like, that's not awesome for your psyche. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ennis is, like, the more damaged and repressed of the two of them. Yeah. Because as the movie goes along, you kind of get the feeling that people in Jack's life knew or had an idea. Like, his parents... At least his mom, yeah. Maybe his dad, too. His dad seemed to know what the score was. And then his wife, Anne Hathaway, Hathaway. also seemed to know what the score was. Whereas Michelle Williams really only knew because she caught him in the act. Right. And, you know, that festered within her. But Ennis doesn't give too many clues to it. But it sounds like Jack was almost at the point of, like, talking openly about it. Like... in like <laughs> hey, less hon, than I'm going on terms. my fuck vacation again. <laughs> um, I'll see you when I get back. So my... Uh, Old stepdad. So Ennis and Jack are fishing buddies. Right. 
And my old stepfather, his first wife told my mother this story that he used to go on fishing trips and she thought that it was just him and some, you know, whoever. This also dates to like, you know, the 70s when, when women did things differently. He'd have his wife pack up like all of his fishing gear and everything like that and then they'd go fishing. She just thought that it was, you know... He, he was going out there to like bang some lady. Okay. Um, and so he comes back from one of his fishing trips one time and he goes, what the hell? You didn't pack any underwear. How could you be so careless? And he goes, I did pack your underwear. I put it in the tackle box. <laughs> and yeah, that was like the end of things for them. Cause it was like, Oh no. Yeah. Went fishing, never opened his tackle box. So like when Michelle Williams is like, you used to go on all those fishing trips, Jack Twist, and I put a note on the fishing line and still had the price tag on uh-huh. it after five years. And I said, bring home a lot of fish for me and the girls. You Love said you bought, and you ate all the fish. <laughs> and first thing I did was look at that note, and it was still there, never been touched. <laughs> I looked in that case first chance I got, and there was my note still tied there. The line hadn't touched water in its life. You mean nothing, Elmer. Don't try and fool me no more, Ennis. I know what it means. Jack Twist. Jack Nasty. That scene literally takes place in front of a kitchen sink, by the way. Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I love this scene. I think it's great, well acted, but yeah. I'm like, we're in a kitchen. <laughs> Michelle Williams's face really just looks like innocence about to be crushed. Like, yeah. even when they show her getting married, I was like, oh, she's got a rough lo- load of, or oh, road so ahead glad- of her. <laughs> glad you mentioned that because gross. Under the powers vested in me, I now pronounce you man and wife you may kiss a bride and if you don't i will folksy dude. wisdom of of wyoming dude <laughs> it's gross and there's something about her in that wedding scene where just like maybe it was just the the dawson's creek of it all but i was like she's about to get dragged through some shit <laughs> i want to say something that struck me this time like all four of our main actors heath ledger jake gyllenhaal michelle williams and anne hathaway all very young actors at this time, like hungry to get that role that's going to launch them into stardom. And I think it did it for all of them, this movie specifically. I mean, they're all, I mean, not Heath, of course, RIP, but uh, I mean, the other three are still like A list, yeah. top two. Well, he won an Academy actor. Award, so Heath Ledger did. For Joker. Yeah. But I mean, it's going to go down. This movie is going to go down as one of those magic Hollywood movies where it's like everyone became a star and you can see so-and-so when they were young. And like, Well, like Anne Hathaway, I think, was already sort of a star because of like Princess Diaries. Right, but she shakes the image of yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Michelle totally. Williams, too. Like she was, you know, most known for Creek. Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And now she's in this. And like I didn't know Heath Ledger. I know he was in a couple other things, but I mostly knew him from 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. And Jake Gyllenhaal, I mostly knew from Donnie Darko. Yeah. And Bubble Boy. <laughs> So it's like, this is a very different movie for all those people. They had done ones past those things that I mentioned. But like, this is one of those movies where everyone's really hungry. Like we talk about how people like are good when they're really trying to prove something. And I feel like all four of these actors are here to prove that they can do it. Yeah, it's like, I feel like before this, because like, you know, you hear like, oh, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal are going to be in this movie about gay cowboys. And at first, kind of sounds like a Sean Cody video. Like, yeah. you don't actually think that these are actors, or at least, you know, I didn't back in the day. Yeah, I, I mean, guess I didn't either. I was really. probably 18 when I first heard that this movie was going to be made. 
you know, I, I barely know what an actor is now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I think they're, yeah, this is sort of a before and after mark for them. It's like before them, like they were talented young people. And after this, they were actors. Yeah. On their way to stardom. Yeah. All of them. The first time I saw this, I remember being like, yeah, the guys are good, but the women need more credit. Like we should talk more about Anne Hathaway and Michelle Williams because both of them are very good in this movie. Yeah. I feel Michelle Williams frustration. (sighs) She's a victim too. And I think part of it is because, you know, you marry this guy, you think you're going to have a good life. And like, this is the shit that you got to deal with. And it's a blindside. Like she would never in a million years think this is what her husband's doing. Yeah. Like he's so repressed and he also drank a lot. Like that's true. There was a lot of scenes like when he's just like waiting for Jack to show up and like he has a beer and then it cuts and there's six beers around him. I'm like, that's a lot of beers to just wait around for someone and then go do something active. Like fucking. Well, yeah. Well, especially if you think of it in the terms of like, he's sort of a wild animal. Like he, he's in this natural habitat for the first half hour and it feels like that feels right. And then he starts getting more and more confined and more like, I don't want to say urban settings, but he's like, they're in like the ranch house and it feels small with the babies and then they move into the apartment and it's even smaller. And he's just like, he keeps getting confined. So it's like, how does he deal with it? He drinks, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Or like when he's at a bar and like that, that girl starts hitting on him, like Mm -hmm. after he's divorced from uh, freaks and geeks and also the Avengers movies. Wait, who's she in the Avengers movies? She's Hawkeye's wife. Oh, I had no idea. I, she has a name. Linda. Lavin. I'll do a drop. Linda Cardellini. But like when he's just sitting at the bar alone, there was still four beers on that table. Yeah. And it's just like he does drink quite a bit. He's got a lot to Still forget. waters run deep. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just pouring all the liquid he can into the still waters. Yeah. But I like that aspect of this movie too, where it's like there's like a natural to that like so what's the tagline of this movie it's like love is a force of nature or mm, something like mm-hmm. that and like when they're together our main boys it's usually in like a pastoral beautiful setting yeah there's like one or two scenes of them in a motel but then after that it's always them going out fishing and they're camping yeah. for a couple days and otherwise our our main guys are trapped in like a tiny above the laundromat apartment or in Jake Gyllenhaal's case, he's stuck in this weird, like, plastic, fake-looking world. Oh, like, see, I thought that was spot on for, like, that specific brand of, like, new money. Because my late great-grandmother had a house that, like, when we visited it in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, when she still lived in Washington, it looked just like that. Like, that the Thanksgiving scene where they're, like, turning off the TV. I was like... Everything about this house looks like my great grandmother's house, but none of it looks natural. You know, it oh, all no. looks. I always like... didn't like going there because it was like you'd expect plastic to be on a furniture. Or you couldn't yeah. like actually live in it. Everything was meant to look good, but not actually. You couldn't use any of it. Ang Lee's really good at that. Like you know, sometimes it really does take an outsider to like pinpoint exactly what, like what colors something. Yeah, and because. He, he did it really well with the ice storm and he does it really well here too where I was like he's nailed that like 70s American aesthetic and like all its hideousness yeah and I like that because it's like you know Jack is another character who looks more natural in like you want to see these people in that environment you want to see them out on these mountains with these sheep riding horses and instead he's in this like 
you know, nouveau riche house with disgusting furniture, <laughs> like and the shittiest father in law. Yeah. So it's like it, what he's saying is like, you know, like this isn't natural. Like they're not in their natural state here. Their natural state is when they're together. And it's always when like that's also always when the music comes in, which good soundtrack, by the way. Oh, it's all right. It's, I, it's sweet and emotional. It's very sparse, but um, it really only comes in when their love scenes come in, like when it's them together. And I, I don't know. It's it's nice. I recently watched the special features for Shape of Water, and Guillermo del Toro has a really good quote where he says, a good composer never underscores he always reveals what does that mean you know you watch another a lesser romantic movie and there would just be constant like sawing away at strings being like Romeo and Juliet overture or whatever it is yeah and it's like this movie leaves lots of room for no soundtrack and only uses it when it's like oh our main characters are together and in love I mean speaking of using no soundtrack I think there's one scene where when Heath Ledger calls Anne Hathaway after receiving that postcard (sighs) and there's no soundtrack and I remember in theaters like you could feel the shift in the mood Jack was pumping up a flat on the truck out on a back road when the tire blew up the rim of the tire slammed into his face Broke his nose and jaw and knocked him unconscious on his back. By the time somebody come along, he drowned in his own blood. Great performance from Anne Hathaway in that scene, by the way. Real quick, if there is someone out there that can explain to me the Anne Hathaway hatred, please give me the most detailed uh, uh, email, tweet, Facebook post that you can muster because I don't understand. And it. by the way, she bugs me is not an argument. Yeah, What's, where is this hate coming I, from? Yeah, I, I just, I flat out don't understand the hate towards Anne Hathaway. Anna Kendrick, on the other hand, <laughs> leave that for another pod. <laughs> but when her and Jack like first hook up, and she's like, and they go right to oh. his back seat. You don't think I'm too fast, do you? I wish you put the brakes on. Faster, slower, just like the direction you're going. The look in her eyes, I was like, her pants now have a pH level. <laughs> like, and then they're she man- just takes off her top. She's like, okay, we can do this. They may as well just had like a splash sound at that point. <laughs> Faster, slower, just like the direction you're going. I mean, but also great acting because Jake Gyllenhaal like delivers in. He's got those boyish good looks mm-hmm. and he says it with just that sweet Southern drawl. So it just, it comes across just perfectly. And then you see her just receiving that message perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, what's the hurry? I have to get the car home by midnight. Yeah. So let's get this moving. And then yeah, takes off her top and she's got some sexy bras. Mm. We see both her and Michelle Williams's boobses in this. I mean, there's nudity all around in this New- movie. Yeah, we see the dudes. It's a little far away for my taste. A little but blurred, but... It's fine, it's fine. Can uh, see some junk. I'll give it a cha-ching. Like, they, they're both naked while bathing, and they both go skinny dipping. Right, 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 right. So, you know, equal opportunity nudity, which is, I believe, how nudity should be. Yeah, all four of them had to get naked for the... Well, mm-hmm. not naked, but all four of them had to... Like, take show their something. tops off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you, Aang. Equal opportunity nudity. I love it. Just to go back, like, Ang Lee, as a director, 
he just handles this material well. I read that at one point Joel Schumacher was attached. Oh to no! Can you imagine Joel Schumacher's Brokeback Mountain? Joel Schumacher does have a gay movie called Flawless that is okay. I mean, Joel Schumacher's you know a, a step away from just a director for hire, mm-hmm. which I'm not bad mouthing directors for hire. We're, we all got to make a living, but. Ang Lee is a real director. I would say Ang Lee's an artist. Like, he's good. And he can do a lot of different types of things. Like, there's a huge difference between the Ice Storm and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Like, those are vastly different movies requiring vastly different skill sets. Yeah. And this definitely falls more into the Ice Storm realm of movies. When you think of the two times he's won Best Director, it was this... And Life of Pi, which is another beast altogether. Mm-hmm. So it's like this movie requires a real understanding of desire, of like hidden emotions. And like Americana too. Sure, yeah. Because it's like, you know, the movie starts out middle of nowhere, Wyoming, 1963. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, this Chinese born guy can come in and like exact. Taiwanese, but still. Or, oh, oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. Wyoming's a good setting for this because it's so empty. Like, Wyoming is, like, the least densely populated state. Even Alaska's got a denser population. They have two senators and one representative. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, Vermont only has one representative. Um, Yeah, but it's, like, a fraction of its size. Uh, There's more people in King County, Washington, than there are in the entirety of Wyoming. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Wyoming's a good choice because, A, it's a sizable state like if yeah. we're talking just square footage it's bigger than washington but there's so few people there that it really like it just sounds lonely like you don't meet a lot of people there just because they're the nature of how this the state is separated and so if you were born and raised in wyoming you may not think that you could go to a different place and there would be people like you yeah. or, or or a different way of thinking like it's just like a, a desolate area. I don't know. I, like if I was going to pick one state to represent loneliness, I think it'd be Wyoming. Well, and I'm not sure if Annie Prue made it in that when she wrote the story or not. But um, it's interesting that you say it that way because it's like the moment that I didn't cry watching it this time. I'll just put that out there. I have cried watching it in the past. Okay. But uh, the, the only moment that really like tugged at my heartstrings this time, and it's only because I knew where it was going, was when I think it was the first time they go out on a fishing trip after things happen, or maybe the second, and uh, Jack turns to Ennis and he's just like, you know, it could be like this, just like this always. It's too late at that point for them. I know, but it's it's not, though. They both have kids at this point, though. It's like, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Move to Wyoming, because it's like, you know, when you say that there's space there, it's like, Ennis is afraid of of uh, getting gay bashed in that situation, but it's also so big that like it's kind of like a live and let live situation because there's enough space out there that like oh those two faggots want to have a ranch okay but I don't give a shit Jack literally got gay bashed that's how he met his end in Texas <laughs> Texas is neighbors to Wyoming also I think it and was Ennis because... grew up in Wyoming and saw that gay bashing he's well question about that gay bashing not the ennis one but the one that killed jack yeah what do you think brought that on well i did 
take a mental note that I was like, they don't give any backstory to really what happened. We just find out that it wasn't like a, a, a tire iron. Yeah, that, that blew up. So it's it's hard to say what led up to it, but... I think it had something to do with that one guy. His neighbor. Anna Faris's husband. <laughs> I, I loved Anna Faris in this movie. <laughs> Me too. Like, she's horrible, but I want to travel the world with Fantastic her. Fantastic <laughs> job. It's a good thing you and Lorraine happened along when you did, or else we'd still be stuck on the side of the road in that darn pickup. I told Randall we ought to take the car. Of course, he'd never listen to me. He wouldn't listen to me if he was going deaf tomorrow. <laughs> was and that written or was she just improving? No. It's so good. I always think that Anna Ferris in um, Lost in Translation, because the parts are sort of similar, but in Lost in Translation, she's playing uh, Cameron Diaz. Right, that's right. <laughs> and so she's like, I'll just play Cameron Diaz here. <laughs> <laughs> just the constant motor mouth. You're like... Oh my God! Shut up! I know. <laughs> and I can't remember her husband's name, but he's been in tons of stuff. I know, he's, I, he's in Stranger Things most recently. Like that's right. I meant to look he's him like up. He's like the sheriff in Stranger he's, Things. Yeah, he's the dad in that. He yeah. looks good here. I, I I'd hit want, it. I, yeah, I wanted to break off a piece of that myself. <laughs> I'd hit it. The beard just really works for him. Yeah. He's like, maybe we could fish, and now fish is just code for <laughs> fuck. <laughs> It could have had something to do with that. Like maybe they got caught red-handed. I was or thinking it was but... either that or another prostitute in Mexico situation. Like so, it's like he got bashed because Ennis wouldn't be his lover. You know, so it's like, oh, your fear caused this to happen to your friend. Well, is it or is it that he was right and he's like, if we do this out and proud. We're gonna get killed. Or are they stronger together, weaker apart? <laughs> well, well, I don't know because the the story that Ennis like saw when he was a kid, yeah, like when he was brought to that corpse, yeah, it was like, they were a couple. They were a couple. I mean, there's some ambiguity there. That's a tough one. Yeah, but I think I, I like that it was ambiguous. I didn't no, want me it too, spelled me too, out. Me too. I think okay. So reading about this, like the reaction to it, I think like conservative media. And just, like, people in general that were upset about this movie, it almost seems like they're less upset that it was a gay cowboy movie or just a gay Hollywood movie. More than, like, it's kind of undefined. These characters are unwilling to define their own sexuality, so it leaves it, like, open. Like, if I've learned anything, I think people are more upset about ambiguity than they are about, like, things they know. Expand on that. I think even Annie Prue said that this movie is just a Rorschach test. You're going to project anything you want onto these characters. Some of you are going to say that it's like, oh, this is just a one thing. So my thing. Ennis being a top, Jake Gyllenhaal being a bottom thing, exactly. that's just me reading into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like, um, I mean, there's a bunch of bisexual stuff where it's like, they're obviously two bisexuals who fall in love with each other because they have kids, they have wives. I don't know. I don't know. Like they, they never want to join. Like there's no bigger queer experience. It's all just like focused on these two. So it's like it could be gay. It could be they could be defining it in their own terms. Like there's like it's just so ambiguous that like it upsets everybody in a certain <laughs> way. You know what I mean? I was gonna say I I feel like the uh, that they didn't join into a bigger queer experience is sort of Ryan Murphy the 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 past a little bit. Mm. Um, having just recently watched the series Hollywood, I kind of take a little umbrage at the idea that like all it would take was a little bit of bravery from people before us. And then the whole world would have changed forever for the better. I was like, or they could have tried to be brave and then just be killed. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. 
that may have been how that story ended. I mean, their like affair went on for twenty years, so it's like it started in sixty three. That meant it ended in eighty three. Like know. they had to do this like through Harvey Milk. Like yeah, there were movements but that was so far removed from that. Well, I mean, part of it is thinking like. Wyoming and rural Texas are very different than San Francisco. Yeah. So was it that news didn't go out there or that they felt they couldn't join or in they felt to that a they scene? they didn't relate to it, like that's not me. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Like all that I think is frustrating for people who do identify as gay and people who want to um, make fun of gays. You know, like you can't, because you can't label it. You're just sort of like, fuck, what is it? Yeah, I mean, especially Ennis is living, like, very hand-to-mouth. Like, after the divorce, he has to pay $125 in child support Times per two. Ch- child. And I looked it up, adjusting for inflation. It's $600 a kid, so 1200 bucks a month for Fuck. child support. Uh, and child support is a post-tax thing, so you don't even get deducted from your adjusted gross income. Ouch. Yeah, sucks. I mean... One of his kids, Kate Mara, who I did not remember being in this. I didn't either. What was she from? I meant to look it up. Kate Mara's in, um, like, House of Cards. Right. That's how I know her. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So Kate Mara's Ennis's, Heath Ledger's daughter in this, and she, you know, by the end of the movie, she's 19 and going to get married. She knows her dad had a fuck buddy, right? She has to. I think she gets the gist of it. After that yeah. kitchen sink scene, she's got to know something. <laughs> Yeah, they weren't quiet in that kitchen. Mm-mm. But, uh, yeah, I I was thinking, I was like, okay, this movie took place 50 years later. They could both be out and proud and be a boring story. And Jack Twist would just, the big conflict would be that Jack Twist just spends all of his day on social media tweeting about RuPaul's Drag Race. And that's causing a rift between the two of them. I mean, watching it, it just reinforces my theory that, like, you can't make a romantic movie unless both parties have something grand to lose. And, like, th- these days, that has to be a gay story. Like, straight romance doesn't work <laughs> anymore. Well, not for you. <laughs> well, not in movies. Like, like, what are you losing? Like, you can't do, like, a Romeo and Juliet star. Like, oh, our house... Our families don't like each other. Fuck them both. We're getting married and we're moving somewhere else. Like you think of this or you think of Carol. These are people with shit to lose. Sure. You know? Like it, and they're they're risking it all for this love. Like romantic love like that only works when both parties are going to lose everything if they go and do this and they do it anyway. And like that's what these people are doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like both Jack and Ennis risk a lot. Yeah. By having these you know fishing trips yeah and every trimester (laughs) yeah and it's just so painful because like one of them was hoping for it to be a permanent thing and the other one just is not interested in that at all and yeah and i i do i i kind of take ennis's side i'm like there's no way they could have made that work at that time (sighs) and that place see i really felt for jack this time where i was just like well, especially because I don't. I, I, don't I, mean, I mean, you're just like fuck those kids. <laughs> Get rid of them. You didn't want them in the first place, did you? <laughs> you can have a 46th trimester abortion. <laughs> Ennis has two kids. Jack has one kid. And to me, I'm like, there's no going back. Like the chance that you had, like if you were gonna do something together. Uh, was it 1963 after they got off the mountain? Yeah, and it's like when they went their separate ways, like. That was their last chance. Like mm-hmm. once 
Ennis got married, and the the moment that first kid came out, there was no going back. It was just fishing trips from then on, huh? Which honestly doesn't sound too bad to me. <laughs> like the rest of Ennis's life was shitty because, like, yeah, twelve hundred bucks in child support every month mm. and dissatisfying sex yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah, over a laundromat. <laughs> I I don't know. I I feel for Ennis. I like put in the same situation. I probably make the same shitty decision that he did. Although. <sighs> I may be a little hesitant to pump out more kids. Like there is that like Oh yeah. That sex scene that I think is a, a fabulous exchange. It's a like, good one. Yeah. You, you want to talk about like good, like Mike Lee style, like human drama. That's it. Like Ang Lee is like, I'm just gonna take what you do and synthesize it and make it better. <laughs> yeah. As far behind as we are in the bills. If you don't want no more of my kids, I'll be happy to leave you alone. I'd have them if you'd support them. It's technically a win for her, but it doesn't feel like a win. No, and it took so much courage, especially when they're both naked and he's like practically inside her. Mm-hmm. And who could kick that off? I know! Oof. It's rough. It's rough. When you announced this last week, I was like, I want to make fun of this. I'm ready to like have, <laughs> here. I'm not making fun. fun of it. I know, and I'm like, man, this is a serious movie. <laughs> I mean, it is really serious. Like, I do want to say, like, near the end, like right after Kate Mara leaves, saying that she's going to get married, and like Ennis realizes that she's left her sweater or whatever behind. I remember the first time that I saw it in theaters, him just kind of standing in his trailer alone. I was like this is what heartbreak looks like. Like it, it, there was something about the feel of it where this is what it looks like to have your heart broken. Yeah. Like just standing alone in a shitty trailer with no one that you care about around you. God, he's got nothing but a postcard and two shirts with blood on them. Yeah. Jack, I swear. it's so sad like as much as i make fun of some of like the porny aspects of this it really like i watched it twice like very attentively over the weekend and both times like even though i was like writing jokes and like things that i thought was funny like gravy on the turkey (laughs) by the time it gets to the end i'm just like Wow. It is shocking how emotional this movie still is for me, having grown so much in the past 15 years as a gay, mm-hmm. and also just like how much the culture has grown in 15 years, and still finding this movie affecting. Angley in general, he makes emotional movies. Like his movies, I don't know how else to describe it. Like they really get at the romantic feeling of things. I, I can't put my finger on technically how he does it in this movie there's definitely like lots of romantic shots of like beautiful scenery and things like that and obviously like the content is already like wrought with romanticism but it's just like he gets it Mm -hmm. and he drives it home and you know it's like grab a hanky because you're gonna cry i don't know or jack off (laughs) yeah if you think that 
fake butt sex is hot, <laughs> which I didn't buy. Uh, I don't know. There's a couple of times when then they were just like when when uh, Jack tries to uh, lasso Ennis. Sure. And like at first it's like wrestling and then it turns into fighting and then, then that's where like the blood happens. I thought it was kind of hot at first. Like when I thought it was just sure. them wrestling because then after Ennis gets married and he's kind of roughhousing with alma his wife out in the snow yeah and i'm like oh he's kind of doing the same thing that he was like he's trying to recreate this with jack but you know she's just a dainty little girl she Mm. can't fight she can't knee him in the nose (laughs) it it was a sad one and it like when i watched it what made it sad for me i was like this was like ennis tried to make the best of his life and this is what he has yeah like he looked at the options that were afforded to him and he made the best choices that he thought that he could while still like doing right by those around him. And this is where he ends up. But he doesn't have to. And that's what makes it tragic. Boy, I see. I feel like there, there was no other option for him. Who does he have to answer to when they get down from Brokeback Mountain? At, at that moment. But he's also not asked to go start a, you know, a, a calf and cattle trade at that point. Like, um, that's true. He he's not asked about that till later. And so like when Jack is saying, you know, I had a good idea once, it's like yeah, but that once was still too late. Yeah. Like by the time you threw that idea out there, you both already had wives and kids. It's a tragedy and it's a tragedy because there is this like idea of masculinity and that you can't show affection in certain ways. And if you do, that society will will hate you. And especially if you're like the most masculine idea, it's like a cowboy, especially in America. It's like, this is like what we hold up. And to have that be questioned, like they just, you can't do it. I was thinking about that in this, in like the almost last scene when when, uh, Ennis goes to Jack's parents' house, Mm -hmm. which, oh my God, get some paint. That place. (laughs) It's bad. Listen, you big city slicker. They can't <laughs> afford paint. Oh, it's sad though. It's just living up in lightning hills or whatever. I was just thinking, like, you know, the dad is like Jack used to say. Ennis Dillmore used to say, "I'm gonna bring him up here one of these days. We'll lick this damn ranch into shape." Had some half-baked notion the two of you was gonna move up here. The idea that a man would show up to a dead person's parents' house and be like, he was a good friend of mine, you know, cue Willie Nelson. But like, uh, like, that's... Are you saying that that song's gay? Oh, I'm saying it's gay. <laughs> okay. Willie Nelson has another gay cowboy song. So. Does he? Yeah. What well, one? I'll play it right now. Cowboys frequently, secretly fond each other. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but like, it's gotta be, it's like in your head that like, he, he was a good friend of mine. We talked about things like it's gotta be in people's minds. Like there's a question, like even if they hadn't had the romantic side of the relationship, if you just really cared about another man and they're both completely straight and never fucked, there's still that question of like, what's this a fondness for another man that you're showing here and like taking his shirt and stuff that it's like, what the fuck people like <laughs> men mean, can show affection for each other, even if they're not fucking. Yeah. I and mean, if they are fucking, who cares? <laughs> I mean, that that is 
you know, one of the, the big things that leads into toxic masculinity is like, you can't even show grief for good friends. Seriously. It's <laughs> weird. Like that is met with suspicion. The father looks at him with a suspicious glare the whole time. And then the mother, she also like, they both know what the score is, <sighs> but cause she's like, you'll come back. Yeah. And, I, and I always call us. her cherry cake because she offers him cherry cake. Yeah. Give cherry cake some credit here. She actually. And he just says he can't have cake just now. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Why? You're a cowboy. And as far as I'm concerned, you're not bottoming ever. You can eat whatever you want. <laughs> He's like, I, I got a date later. Or <laughs> Anna Ferris's husband just asked me to go fishing. <laughs> There's four three miles of highway with one career in my boat parish visit. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Whatever uh, you say. <laughs> but, you know, like, it is weird to me. It's, like, it really drove it home in that scene where it's like, man, toxic masculinity is fucked. I know. You can't even, like... You can't even grieve. Yeah. Like, grieving is a sign of weakness. Grieving is too gay for people. <sighs> like, oh, my God. I'm exhausted thinking about it but i mean i don't know and i think that's why this movie hit a nerve with a lot of people because it really was like questioning what masculinity is and what, especially toxic masculinity because it's like taking down this huge american idea of like the cowboy mm-hmm. like we have such an idea of what that is and then it's like oh yeah he also puts his penis in boys butts yeah like, you're like oh my pearls <laughs> oh no to circle back way to the beginning of this you said that when we started this podcast way, way in, in, in the long, long ago, yeah, yeah. four times, that if someone made a bet with you as to whether or not we were ever going to do Brokeback Mountain, you'd bet against it. Yeah. Why? I, it just felt obvious. <laughs> okay. I don't know how many other gay hosted movie podcasts there are out there. Mm-hmm. Probably plenty. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like that's like episode one or five for them. Okay. And, uh... You know, we not a hundred one hundred fifty nine, <laughs> uh, getting around to it, and I just I don't know, I just it just felt like a movie that it was too obvious, and we ne- we just wouldn't cover it. But um, I'm glad we did. Oh, I did take a note here. I think being a rodeo clown is a shitty career. <laughs> Word in this movie is that if if you rodeo for a living, you're sort of a fuck up. Mm. So imagine being the person who has to dress up as a clown, not even for the people, but for animals. I know. <laughs> like that's your job, dressing up as a clown for animals. You're putting on makeup. For animals. for animals yikes i'm just like like you're you work at a place that cowboys think are are for fuck-ups and then even the other fuck-ups kind of look down on you yeah not to be classist i just they do show like rodeo clowns kind of doing their thing and i'm like oh boy out of all the jobs that they've shown in this movie this has got to be the least great one thanks angley you really get us <laughs> oh my god we've been talking forever about this movie I think it's time to move on. To a segment that may take a, a great amount of time. 
Good. <laughs> it's time to decide what we're going to do for our next double feature. And this time we've decided to make things hard on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, I don't really remember how we landed on we're this. We're tired so. of easy. I guess. We're leaving things up to chance this time. Well, because, all right, this is coming out, you know, under normal circumstances, Pride Weekend is a big weekend here in Seattle. Or right. This specific weekend would have been our Pride Parade weekend. Right. But because of coronavirus, uh-huh. uh, that's not happening. Um, And as much as I try and push Ryan to, into doing queer movies, he really resisted. He didn't do anything. I swear I didn't get the memo on this. I, I didn't know. I've been talking about this in person with you for months. I was like, oh, well, June, like, we got to make sure everything's gay, blah, 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 well, blah. Well, I'm sorry. I don't remember that And you're like, discussion. I love that queer classic time crimes. This is something you're never going to let me forget, is it? <laughs> so I, I just sensed a little ennui is all, like a little lithlessness towards queer culture. And so the only way that I could really spice it up, I was like, well, hey, Ryan, what if we do a game show? Oh, my God. Let's do it. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, you creamed harder for that game show idea than you have for any queer movies that we've been picking as of the last year or so. I I see you still haven't cleaned it off your wall, so. (laughs) So this time we're, we're leaving it up to chance. We're doing a wheel... Within a wheel. Within a wheel. <laughs> Long-time listeners will know we like we left other episodes up to chance. We've got past the buck. We've got the wheel of Iraqi. We all of our AFI episodes. Like we're cool with leaving things up to chance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this time we're doing it again. This is sort of half chance, half mining our mind history. Exactly. Yeah. What we have done is we have not one but two wheels, but they're actually one wheel. So that's why it's a wheel within a, a wheel. wheel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first spin is going to have... Broad categories. Broad categories. Like the things we've done before, such as um, actresses, directors, themes. You know, themes en general. En general. And then we're spinning the, uh, the wheel again in the opposite direction. And this time we're doing a genre of what we're going to do within that first category. So it's a wheel within a wheel. Do you get it yet? <laughs> we literally have not played this. We have not fine-tuned it. This is just all on paper so far. We are pulling out the physical wheel of Iraqi that we used back From in episode, episode 69. 69. 90 uh, episodes that's been sitting in my closet. Ooh, oh, fuck me. And uh, yeah, we're going to actually be spinning a physical thing here, but with different... Pieces of pie on yeah, there. Yeah, great pod, by the way. It's <laughs> spinning this this wheel. I think, you know what? Let's add that in the first spin. Let's add that like one sliver that is the possibility of Darren. And if it lands on it, we'll we'll text him. We'll just figure we'll just play that out. Okay. There's a sliver <laughs> on here that we're gonna make that uh we might just do a movie with Darren Dews, a double feature with him. Okay. The the Darren Dews double feature. Yeah. Which, if that if we land on that, that's an automatic, the piano and the ice storm. <laughs> yeah. Right? Two, two, two of Darren's favorites. Yeah. It's a to-do's. To-do, the to-do's list. Do's, to-do, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure something out. Uh, well, let's let's grab the wheel. Let's give it a first spin. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Uh, 
This is a modern marvel of engineering, by the way. Thank you. Cardboard is my true medium. We have two squares that are time period based. We have two squares that are actress based. And we have one that is... Darren based. Darren based. Oh no, one that is actress based. And then two that are director based. One that is Darren based. And if we land on Darren, the game is over. And we're watching the piano in the ice storm. Yeah. That's the deal. Yeah. So spin away, my friend. I'm spinning clockwise. Great. Put some muscle into it. Darren! <laughs> does, that, does that one not count? That one does not. There, it wasn't right. There, okay. Try again. Okay, you gotta hold it down so it's. I'm ready. Give it some muscle. Darren again! <laughs> oh my god! That means we're doing two Ang Lee movies in a row. Oh, we might do piano and then ice storm. Mr. Technicality <laughs> over here. I mean, I haven't seen piano in a long, probably around the time that I last saw Brokeback Mountain. Wow. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of happy about that. I'm happy to see the piano anytime. And ice storm, even though I only watched it for the first time, like six or seven months ago, I'm very happy to be rewatching I want to visit both of these movies with Darren. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, Darren's a delight, so. Yeah. Well, great. Great. The wheel has spoken. <laughs> Let's plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. Go to patreon.com slash x-rated movies. If you feel like giving us money, and we appreciate all the people that do, and we would always appreciate more to do it. Uh, go to our website at creativemovies.com or email us at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. If you want to listen to episodes early on in our uh, past, which I don't recommend, but hey, some of them are fun, uh, that's where you got to do that. You got to do it on our website. You can't do it through streaming services. And you can go to Twitter at xratedmovies. You can go to Facebook at ratedxmovies. And if you want to support us in a non- uh, monetary way you can give us five stars and a review on apple Podcasts, stitcher uh overcast wherever you get your podcasts it's a great way or recommend it to a friend that's another great way to support us like get more people listening because i think that that's how we're going to get people to uh enjoy it and i think that covers all our bases yeah so until next week when we have our special Darren Do's a thon with the piano and the ice storm. <laughs> Darren does do's. <laughs> Keep reaching for that rainbow. <laughs> <laughs>